What's good, Internet? It is your Super GG Radio host, Alex, here to give a brief announcement. This week, we attempted something different by having a live episode. Unfortunately, due to technical difficulties, we have since lost the last five minutes of audio. Unfortunately, we don't have an alternative or backup of the audio, so the episode is posting as is. Our apologies from Super GG Radio, and hope that we have the technical issues figured out by next week. Thank you, and enjoy the episode. What's good, Internet, and welcome to Session 72 of Super GG Radio, where friends chat about video games and all things adjacent. I am your host and Dynasty... I don't like Dynasty Warriors. I don't like Dynasty... I am your Dynasty Warrior, Alex Arona. Oh, that's... Oh, that's Bam. Yep. <laughs> Back with us this week, fresh from his vacation, Joel DeWitt. All right, Joel, who's your favorite Dynasty Warrior character? I never played that trash. Is Sekiro a Dynasty Warrior? Nope. All right, Getty, you're probably the only one who plays Dynasty Warriors. I know you wrote this opening. Who is your favorite Dynasty Warrior character? Not pretend to care. Oh, man, it's it's saying he because he had uh, Wolverine claws for his weapons. Okay. He would slice around the battlefield that's kind of legit. Alright, alright. All right. Well, this week we have some tight betas and early adopters. Check out the news, and then have Joel Blind walk us through the backlog blog. First, early adopters. Where we play alphas, betas, and games that were on stream demo bonanza. Uh, I think that means Steam demo bonanza. That's the Steam festival. Uh, I, I don't know what it's called. I, I just come up with the shit that you say. That's that true. was an errant R. Yeah, that was an errant R. Uh, first game, Fights in Tight Spaces. Uh, if you guys have not seen Fights in Tight Spaces, it is a grid system. It, it's almost like a board game. Uh, what was um, what was the game from the people who did F- FTL? What? Oh. Uh, uh, I don't know, but the same people that did uh, Into the Breach, right? Uh, yes. Okay, Into the Breach. Okay. So imagine Into the yes. Breach... But you are uh, a man, and you move around this grid fighting people in a a small room, but the way you fight them is a card game. So you get these cards. It'll show up cards at the bottom. You'll get like five cards, and you can choose, move forward, throw someone against a wall, uh, switch places with them, punch them, or like, you know, low blow them or trip them, and each thing affects them on the board. So you can move your character, slam one guy into a wall, turn around, and stun one guy by chopping him in the throat and then move another space and then you've used four cards and that's the end of your turn like how many guys would you fight in a normal encounter i went through a couple of them i think i did five or six different matches and i i think it upwards up to four people it's tight it's a fight in tight spaces so the spaces were tight the game was tight and using those cards was a lot of fun. It definitely flipped the the, the mechanics on its head because I never I you know you get it, yeah you loved uh, enter the, uh, was it the the spire play the spire play I already the said spire. it once so yeah it's that card bad or the deck building battlers man but it's it's so cool to add that to something like like a board game you know where you're moving these pieces around and and it it kind of it looks a lot of fun because if you if you watch yourself, you're doing cool moves as this little, almost stick figure-esque character, just fighting around these little spaces. So, uh, this, this kind of looked like super hot to me. Like a top. It does of- have that sort of dark white, black, red color, yeah. chromatic, you know, like monochromatic kind of look to it, right? And that that definitely helps for the the sort of style that is going to, which seems like a coolish like action fight sequence thing going on. Uh, Alex, when it comes to like the the gameplay itself again, you mentioned that there are turns. Is, is there like a, a power meter that you have a resource like a mana pool that you draw down from, like you do in most hard games? Uh, you know, what's the win or lose state in a match? Can you do with that a little bit? So you do have a mana pool. Uh, each card can take can take up points of that. I believe you had five points. Some some of the more powerful attacks were two points to like so those cards would have a number at the top. Some were just zero, so they were just free play. So with that, you had to you know gauge what you were going to do. If you had 
an attack that was going to do three damage to a guy. And I believe you could tell their HP, so you end up getting like, okay, this guy's got three HP, I can knock him out with one hit, but that card costs two points. Then I also don't want to be close to anybody else, so you have to kind of maneuver yourself to take out one person then keep moving away from the rest of them. Or find ways to, like, there's a there's a shove move where it just moves a person one space. But if someone was behind them, I could shove that person, hit do damage to both, and then, you know, step away. Okay, so it's usually like a 1v many people kind of situation going on. That's that's why I kind of thought it was it was interesting because it, it it like there was a game that came out a while ago I think last year called uh, it was the John Wick game it was just the John Wick game but in that they were trying to give you the idea that you're the superhuman John Wick character and but it's turn based it's, it's like a turn based RPG and then after everything was done they kind of sped it up to make it look like you were doing it in one fluid motion like super hot and yeah. it but it it was so awkward looking it didn't it didn't look and feel like you were doing anything cool. It actually looked like you were walking awkward at awkward angles and it just didn't look good. So it, this for me is where I kind of fit that is that it does make you feel like you're this John Wick character being surrounded by five guys and being able to take them out in a very rapid succession. Hmm. That sounds pretty slick. Yeah. Uh, it sounds like it, it has a couple of mechanics from other card battlers or deck builders or whatever you want to call them that I've played recently. So you guys remember Nowhere Profit. It had that grid-based system so that whenever you'd place your characters on the map, you had uh, cards that you would use and, like, your, uh, I think your leadership or your, yeah, I think your leadership cards, you could push objects or you could push people out of the way so they wouldn't be able to attack you. So that's kind of nifty. And then I I did pick up Griftlands, and I've been playing that casually on and off. And uh, I don't know, I think... So this game, Alex, it's mainly just fighting from room to room. There's no story beats or anything that drives you? No, not that I could tell. Okay. The... I kind of would want to see something like that to make the game at least more more three-dimensional. It, as silly as it sounds, like uh, Slay the Spire is probably the least story-driven out of all those games that I've played. Mm-hmm. But if this one, I feel like it needs a little something to to jazz it up okay yeah no in this case it seemed more of a uh the puzzle rooms so i would try to go through and whenever i beat a i beat a room but i got hit twice and i said well no so let's play that one again i have to get a perfect (laughs) run and that's that's kind of where i think that this game does a really good job is because I, I, it, it's a demo, and with demos and beta tests that we play, I kind of try to knock those out and try to, okay, I'm going to you know, go through an hour and kind of get through this. But this one I kind of went back to and said, well, how can I make this better? How can I do better on this next one? And that kind of made me think that, okay, maybe this is something that might be special because I, it had that replayability. It had that try again, try harder. Let's, get, let's, you know, let's try to go through without getting hit. I'm excited that you're actually picking up on a game like this. All these games are really based around economy. You have to be able to manage your resources to make sure that you can make it to the next room or to make it to the next phase in order to succeed. Yeah, and they're they're not usually my jam. It does show you how important theme is in some of these or the conceit. So, like, a lot of these games, like we know, Daddy, you know, you're a summoner or a spellcaster and you are playing out on the battlefield. And and the way that this one seems to sort of uh, put it down to more microcosm sort of scenery where it's it's more like you're playing out an action sequence from a movie uh it it really is a neat way to twist the convention of the card battler game and to your point i i kind of agree daddy too that hopefully when they're working on this game they're also considering how they can build a narrative through it because it, it totally feels like something that you could turn it into like an pretty by the numbers action movie story that just yeah. gives you just the faintest bit amount of rationale to sort of compel you forward. Uh, the, the, the tiny bit of narrative that would work with some decent writing could really like help spur you forward and, and really want you to keep going. Yeah. Or at least try and create something that, that is going to catch my attention. I, I like those games for the story. Okay. Yeah, as silly I, as it sounds. I like 
Uh, you know, Nowhere Prophet had a really deep story, at mm-hmm. least from from a couple of perspectives. Uh, and Griftlands is very heavily embedded in story. Like, and the playthrough that you do, uh, I've only probably attempted it four or five times. It, it has like all of these beats that you need to hit each time in order to progress the story. So, <clears throat> looks that- exciting. No, yeah, I I have now wishlist that on Steam because uh, that oh, right, and if you know with those kinds of games and it's like oh it's a puzzle you can do a puzzle here puzzle there of course I'm gonna say perfect on Switch but what isn't right? <laughs> everything's perfect on Switch yeah. because you don't have to be sitting in front of a, a computer or television hey, I'm right. playing Paper Mario one and I'm sitting here wishing it was on Switch yeah there you go <laughs> just get the new one next week right I mm, right. <laughs> Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Mm. I don't, if I'm playing yeah, Paper Mario 1. Origami Mario? It ain't great. Okay. That, that was Fights in Tight Spaces. Next. Joel, you played Dandara. Is that correct? I did play sort of the opening hours of Dandara. Uh, Dandara is... And I forget, was this the beta or was it the full release by now? I believe you got the full re- full release. Okay, nice. so Dandara is a 2D platformer, and it is... Have either of you guys played uh, VVV, VVV before? No. Yes, but not okay, a lot so of it's, it. It's, <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I'm, I'm only going to use the faintest bit of comparison, but VVV, VVV has a similar DNA with it in that the platforming has a lot to do with sort of... Uh, changing the orientation of where you're standing on the walls. So like think about your typical uh, 2D, say like Metroid level, you know, it's usually like corridors and stuff, mm-hmm. uh, but instead you can sort of do a move and then you're suddenly standing on the ceiling and, and walking along that way. Uh, Dandara is actually the main character of the story, which at the start they did the pretty loose sort of summary of the sort of utopian world, things go into chaos and then suddenly Dandara uh, is awakened to be sort of the savior of it. And she is this character with the power to be able to sort of point in a direction and then you hit the A button. And then if there is a sliver of ground on that part of the land that's sort of a silverish white color mm-hmm. you can then sort of zip over there and then be uh standing on that platform whether it is upside down on the side walls or on the main floor itself so you are going through these kind of typical zones that you'd see in most uh sort of like metroid like games uh you know, and you're going through these phases where you're having to find the key or, or item or story sequence to unlock the next area. And that is the main mode of transportation. You can't actually walk left or right at all. Your movement is solely that ability of uh, pointing your stick at a location you want to go to. It'll give you sort of like a, a line of sight with the cursor of where it's going to land at mm-hmm. and then shooting to there. And that's how you travel from each part of the, the zones. That sounds like it takes a while to do, but how quickly are you able to move like that? Surprisingly quickly. Okay. And, you, you know, so it's, <laughs> if you get nimble enough about it, you can be really sort of like, you zip up to one spot, you zip back down to the next portion of the zone you're in and you're sort of bouncing back and forth, but it's kind of fraught with danger because really when you're doing that, the enemies are a lot of them so far have been things like uh, these sequences of walls that sort of show up with hit spots, but they don't appear until you've moved to a zone nearby it. Mm-hmm. So if you're trying to zip back and forth too quickly in a place that you haven't been before, you could be opening yourself to sort of just bumping into an enemy that takes damage and hurts you. Right. Uh, and then there are also other more typical enemies like ones that walk along and shoot projectiles at you or try to fly around you. Leave the clock alone. <laughs> uh, well, Joel, I got some... I, but, uh... I, is, it, is it disorienting with that kind of traversal? So I wouldn't call it disorienting because it's it's not changing your your view. So like mm-hmm. if you're going upside down, it's not shifting the, the camera around to try to turn things around. So it... it and the movement left, right, up, down is all sort of the same. And since 
and, I, and probably because you can't freely move on your own, you have to point and aim and then sort of shoot your jump mm-hmm. for each jump. It, it, it sort of forces a pause. Even if you're trying to do it in quick succession, it's, it's a tiniest bit of pause and you're just sort of zipping up and down and up and down and maybe to the side over there. And it, it's just stunted enough to where I didn't find anything disorienting about it. Uh, she also has like a projectile thing, uh, which is her main mode of attack. So like it, it almost kind of looks like uh, in like the animes when they're charging a shot or something like that out of their hands, like a fire blast or something mm-hmm. like that. Okay. And then it's like a three fire, fire shot. Blast. Yeah. Come on. Kamehameha. What? Yeah. I, you know, that is a brand name and I'm not sure that we have the, uh, the, the licensing for that yet. You don't know who we are. <laughs> we're, we're hashtag ad. Deal. Hashtag ad. <laughs> yeah, we're sponsored by Alex. Who are we sponsored by? Uh, the 2020 Olympic Games. Cos- Costco, Costco brand, not White Claw. There we go. Oh, is that that's what we got? That's what we got. <laughs> I'm still trying to hold out for Costco brand rum. We're not even good enough to get me undies yet. Hey, I feel like if we really tried, uh, do you have any other attacks that you can use, Joel, or is it I, just the... I haven't found any yet. The, okay. the stylist game, I suspect it's going to open up, and I'd really love to uh, revisit this uh, a little bit later, either in a week or two, because I, I I get the sense this is the kind of game I could really get into. Like, the, the Metroidvania stuff, it is so... There's so many of them now, right? Uh, and varying different qualities, but a lot of them sort of go towards the same thing, which is like, I want to be a lot like Symphony of the Night, but I'm going to just like change a tiny bit or I can't quite emulate it. And the way that this one's movement works, like it, it is unique enough to where when I first started playing it, I was like, this could get annoying, but actually I, I kind of found it uh, really sort of a, a great way to sort of force a slower pace and, and like, uh, take measured approaches because there are even sections where so far where like spikes will start appearing in environmental hazards and so it becomes like a more strictly platforming task but it becomes like partially timing and rhythm based due to that so I, I i'm curious to see where it goes and how it keeps itself feeling fresh and different in different sections without making it too tough okay okay that yeah i feel like there's a lot to explore there the artwork is really nice it does uh, remind me of something like almost like a, a little bit of a pixel because it's, it's not full pixel art, but it does kind of remind me of something like almost like an invisible ink, but pixel, pixelated a little bit. Not invisible ink, um, it, it, in, indivisible a little bit. Okay. Yeah, it is a little more on the pixelated side, but it's like you said, it's not going for the pixel bit kind of look i mean they're trying to create a cohesive art style with that animation style and and the character model looks really nice she flows really well she has kind of a scarf that helps add kind of a uh, a feeling of movement as she's zipping along too uh those little details are, are really nice and and the music also sets a nice sort of uh tone so like the sections i've been in so far have been very kind of calm uh I want maybe somber is not quite the right word, but sort of that subtle downtone music. And you're through these areas that feel more like caves than anything. So it, it fits things thematically so far. And I'm interested to see how much the environment changes. I go on and how well they match the art and music with that. Hmm. Okay. Cause yeah, that, that seems like a pretty rich world to explore, especially with how much art I've seen of this game so far. I uh, have been staring this game down for a little bit, kind of waiting, f- like, because I wanted to hear what your opinion on it was before I kind of started stepping into it myself. So, the- I think it's really neat. And uh, final, final thing I'll mention here as a positive: it runs on our laptop, which is not meant to play video games. So, <laughs> oh, <laughs> uh, another big boon for me. It's a low cost of entry as far as a uh, you know processing power is concerned, but still gives you that metroidvania challenge that's yeah the only thing i was worried about was the mobility and the way you kind of move but uh, i think you might have sold me on dundara i i think if you get used to it, it it really it feels good once you get oriented with what they're going for okay that is dundara thanks for bringing that to the table joel 
Mm-hmm. And Getty, everybody knows knife versus bat. Joel, knife versus bat, go. Bat. Getty. Bat. Ugh, you guys are stupid. It's always knife. It's always <laughs> knife. It's always You'll knife. never close the gap. <laughs> I will always close the gap. I will smash the hand before it gets halfway yeah. up to that length. We've just oh, we've just had two this games about fighting. I'm going to take a break <laughs> and I will fight you both. <laughs> Let's be right back. back back with the news i like this one yeah <laughs> i like how it stopped you like you yeah. looked at it and you're like i was like do, do i, I want, want to read, read this? this or do i want to have getty read this <laughs> this is a uh, courtesy of lisa so okay hey news is your name john because i haven't seen a around here before you can't see me <laughs> yeah <laughs> You know what the worst part is? What's the worst she part? She got this little like vinyl pop. She huh. got a vinyl pop of John Cena, and it it's clear, and she'll hide it around the house. You can't see him. <laughs> no, you can't. Nope. It's a awful. Easter egg. <laughs> yeah. I'll just be like trying to do the dishes, or I'll, I'll like try and put a plate on top of another plate, and then there he'll, he'll be there, and I'll be like, oh shit, well, great. How'd that get there? Weird. Yeah. Okay, first piece of news, super hot, super hot, super hot, uh, Mind Control Delete, a sequel. Is it a sequel, Joel? I don't think it's a sequel. I think it's just sort of like a small add-on of some sort. I, I, Bonus I, content. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I don't think they've been too explicit about what's coming out, but mm-hmm. I, I'll play more super hot. Hell yeah. Will you? I'll beat that yeah. game again. <laughs> and it's uh, free to anybody who owned the original. So you're welcome on that, Getty. Yeah, so I, thanks, so Alex. I, for, I forget the date there. Was that next week? Or it, it was sometime in July, I think, that they're releasing that. That sounds right. It's it's relatively soon. I can check. Check it out, Getty. I will. Next piece of news. Dark Pictures Little Hope. It finally gets a release date October 30th. That gets me so excited. You have no idea. <laughs> the question <laughs> I have is it, that... And I'm going to play it on Halloween. Has that been... It's been a year, right? It has been more than a year. Wasn't the first... Wasn't Man of Medan released, like, last March? Not last March. You mean 2019 March? Yeah, that's, like, last year March. Not this mm. year March. Yeah, it's, Stupid was, March what, Was it spring? I want to say it was spring. Okay, we probably just waited until the fall to play it then. Okay. Yeah, because I remember yeah. playing it in the fall. It's just... it's. The the cadence at which they're releasing these dark picture games seems a little more spread out than I initially thought. I thought it would be six to nine months. Like every year. Yeah. And, yeah. yeah. I, I, you know, the, the whole Telltale string of games and, and even the Life is Strange stuff, I think it suffered from sort of like uh, ambitious release schedules that then couldn't be met. And you don't know how much of this stuff was screwed with because of things like COVID and uh, the hellscape that that brought. But, you know, I, I kind of feel like October's the right time for a release like this. Like, it's just like you expect the Halloween movies to show up or, uh, yeah. you, you know, it's just something to do once the kids go to bed. No, I completely uh, agree. I, I think that that's a, but I, I also want to say that they decided that they were going to delay this one so that they could finagle more of the aspects of the game to meet what people expected out of it. If you remember, they got some pushback on Man of Medan and people were like, oh, I thought it was going to play more like this. So I think that they made some improvements. We'll have to see what kind of improvements they actually are because I honestly had no problem with Medan. Well, it was entertaining. I guess- what were people expecting? Like, did it were they expecting more? Because I, I guess as a follow up to Until Dawn, which yeah is honestly one of the best PlayStation Four games in my mind. Uh, 
I, I mean, the only thing I really felt was missing besides maybe a tighter uh, dialogue and better acting was some of those segments where you were sort of walking around and exploring and looking for clues or items you could pick up as you walked along. And like there were those long sequences between story beats and until dawn that added more game length, but I didn't always feel like it added to the fun. So like I can understand the frustration and lower production values, but yeah, I guess unless you're really a big collector of stuff, I don't know. I don't think that that's my main priority when it comes to games like that. I know that the way that they did it in Medan, you tried to collect the... And even in uh, Until Dawn, you collected the totems or the pictures to see right. what was going to happen or to try and avoid something from happening negatively to yeah. you. But I don't know. I'm looking forward to it. I'm definitely playing it on Halloween, guys. So Same. It's going to be real scary. Maybe we can actually plan some multiplayer sometime this time. <laughs> we still, yeah, we still have to do the multiplayer for Medan. Yes, we we do, and now we have less of an excuse, <laughs> except for your sixty-hour work weeks right now. Well, hopefully by then it'll be a, a lot more manageable. We'll see. We're back yep. in the office next week. Ooh, oh, that's crazy. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, we're not back until August. Okay. Last piece of news. It is a light news week. Uh, well, actually, there's two more. Uh, first one, they're updating Nintendo Switch Online. Uh, SNES gets Donkey Kong Country and NCW, a wrestling game. And the NES gets Immortal. Uh, I only know Donkey Kong Country. I enjoy Donkey Kong Country. Uh, but these games are coming out at a, also a very slow cadence. I, I do have the follow-up for Super Hot, The yes. 16th. The 16th. Okay. 16th. So next six next days. week. Yeah, six days. That's just how underwhelming the Super Nintendo release. <laughs> Alex, you didn't actually just say it's six days from now, right? Because today's still the ninth. Uh, well, that tomorrow's the tenth. Yes. Okay. Whatever. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> let's let's say a week from today. <laughs> uh, Joel, did you uh, did you like the? Are you excited for these new collections coming to Nintendo Switch Online? I, you know. I have come to find that when the stuff is a subscription that I never touch it. I, uh, so like by comparison, like we have Netflix, Hulu, we probably still have Disney plus the, the only damn things we watch anymore are like letter Kenny, the office and, uh, supermarket sweeps since it came out this past week on Netflix. So like, I, I feel like it creates a situation for me where I have this whole huge list of curated games and then you think like, wow, look at all this stuff to choose from. And then I choose none of it. <laughs> uh, so, and, and well, it's, it's the, it's the shackles of choice. Right. <laughs> uh, but I, I think uh, I've played Donkey Kong country enough. I mean, part of the cool thing about Donkey Kong country for the time was just the way it looked. It had kind of same appeal that like Mortal Kombat had, where everything looked sort of like quasi photorealistic, and uh, the platforming itself was fine, but it was tough and unreasonably tough in some parts in my mind. So, eh, <laughs> I mean, I'm I am curious about the other ones. I might like just pop them in to try them, but uh, I I have come to find i'm not the biggest fan of the way they've handled virtual console i still might go back for breath of fire i wouldn't hate that oh yeah mm -hmm. uh and last piece of news there has been a trademark and domain registered for the tomb raider experience on for nintendo switch which some thoughts are it's the older games like a collection of you know the first what four oh whoops it's it's a Labo VR exclusive, like those Universal rides where you're sitting in the chair and then it shows you moving down like a track on a uh, a screen and then you have to sort of shake the Labo like you're on the roller coaster as you're going through twists and turns. Dear Lord, I hope that that's not real. <laughs> that, that sounds just awful. That's almost as bad as, what was it, the Mario mustache ride? <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. I, I don't. What's the problem with that? <laughs> what's the problem with that? that? That's completely <laughs> innocuous. It's completely innocent. 
I don't know what you're talking about. Something all right. I don't know if <laughs> innocent is the word that I would use. Ooh. Well, it depends on how trimmed it is. I really feel like I had some news, and now I can't remember what it was. Well, let's... I blame, uh, I blame the news for not being long enough this week. Yeah. That's fine. We got a an extended backlog blog. So uh, let's take another break, and we'll be right back. backlog blog where we play games that we already owned on another platform but we got it on switch that's correct i own the, i own the red strings club elsewhere i also own invisible ink elsewhere <laughs> i feel like this should be our opening for the backlog blog because half of the games that we end up talking about are just stuff that you guys repurchased on switch definitely well yeah, it's it's the the, <laughs> it's best the convenience console. of it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I want to be able to play games while ignoring my wife and the TV show she's watching. I thought that you were going to say that you want to play games while making your wife drive fifteen hours to another state. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> she played games while I drive fifteen hours. To okay. State. No, that, uh, that's more. <laughs> yeah, my partner goes to bed early. So I just like, oh, I'm going to hang out with you while you're sleeping, <laughs> playing Switch. It's fine. I like to imagine that Alex is under the covers, like, with the Switch, like, this close to his face. And he's like... Is it the covers over his head? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she said I can't play too many aggressive games because it keeps her up when I'm just like... So. <laughs> so. I like it. So Red Strings Club it is. I played the Red Strings Club it is an adventure game, kind of? That hmm. seems like a question. There I don't is, know the answer to this, Alex. We're in a cyberpunk world <laughs> where okay. uh, androids are being created, robots are being created to use to help humans, and it is the future with like flying cars and shady bars. And you are several people in this adventure, but the main character, you're a bartender who for some reason, and it's never really explained, he made a deal with the devil or something, he can never leave his bar. He is an information broker. People will come to him and just like talk to him and give him a lot of information. And then he'll hint at stuff to kind of give them information. And it goes back and forth. And the main game mechanic is you will serve them drinks that will enhance their mood. Hmm. Sounds vaguely similar to something that you played last week. Yeah, I thought this would be like that. I thought this would be like Coffee Talk, but you're, it, you're it, explaining Coffee Talk to me again. Well, this one, okay, yeah. <laughs> this one, you have to pick a very specific uh, mood because it actually gives okay. you a, a big dialogue tree, like big, massive. Like I want to say, they give you like six options, six to eight options, where it's like that's a lot. Ask him about this and ask him about that. And and you get enough information to find out about this big corporation that is going to – everyone's got these enhancements that you can purchase and put in your brain. So it will make you like, oh, I'll never be depressed again or I want to be able to focus. And you can have these enhancements created and put in your brain uh, and they want to hack all of them. The corporation wants to Wi-Fi into everyone's enhancements and make everyone – just uh happy forever oh no okay. is it for 5g everybody's talking about <laughs> yeah i was gonna say this actually sounds a lot like uh the plot to uh what, what the heck is it uh no the <laughs> deus ex the the latter deus ex games no oh, okay <laughs> yeah i you know the, that, that's been a series i've always been meaning to go back to because i hear such great things about but i it's a first-person shooter, so that dates me a little bit. You don't have to play it as a shooter. Yeah, you can just hack your way through it. But yeah. so the Red Strings Club, it's it just it's a good adventure game, and I like having these conversations because it's it's a word puzzle to figure out how you can get the information you need to alter the next story beat. Because there are a lot of times later on 
where your character, will, like a friend of your character, will be like, "Hey, I don't know how to get past this guard. Is there anything I can do?" And if you had the right conversation, you have an answer to work around that problem. If you don't, they kind of get screwed, and the story goes that character got screwed or something like that. You can get a lot of bad endings with different people just like, oh, he got busted, he died because you didn't ask this person the right question when you gave him a depressed drink. Hmm. That just would make me feel really bad about the decisions I made. That's... Whatever happened to the days where people would go into a bar and they would just ask for a drink and they weren't like, hey, bartender, figure out what's going to make me depressed. Now, there's one lady who just like, give me the horny drink. And you're like, uh, I guess. <laughs> yeah? Yeah. Yeah. It's messed up. Are you like, hey, baby, here's a double. <laughs> She's seriously like laying on the bar and you're like, uh, we're cool now. You can go. You, you can go. How are the graphics on this? I thought they no, were it's like not. mildly it's, pixelated. It's very pixelated. Yeah. Okay. It's not that so, graphic. Uh, yes. <laughs> but yeah, there. Pixelated cleavage. Yeah, there favorite. is a lot of pixelated. But it's so. Uh, it's a relatively short uh, indie story-based game, adventure game, mostly based on the the idea of you trying to make these drinks. And I enjoyed it. I like that story, and it does portray two uh, gay protagonists who are very, like, it's, it's a matter of fact. It never really is brought up. It's just that's what it is. That's the story. And I kind of like that idea that it's just, like there's no weirdness about it or there's no – no one points it out. It's just that's the way the characters are. But – I have a problem with games. Like, I like, okay, give me three options and let's go through those options. One's a good option, one's kind of the bad option, one's the middle ground. When it comes to giving me eight options, I am overwhelmed and I feel very uncomfortable with how many ways I can fail this situation. Yep, that sounds about right. And, and it's very the, Fallout. Yeah. <laughs> and then on, on top of that, Though the way to like when you get that piece of information, you don't know what you're supposed to do with it or even why you need it. So it feels like the game asks a lot of you without explaining a lot and then just kind of hoping that you can figure it out blindly. Uh, I went through, uh, I think, the first half and then I just kind of was so like flustered with it because I'm like, I don't know why I'm asking these questions. What am I going to use this information? What am I supposed to – which one does what? Uh, so I ended up using a guide and uh, – I, I it, it made it clear, but it oh. didn't even that. The guide's like, ask this question. I'm like, why would I ever ask that? But I did it, and then I got information. And it says, you got this information. And I'm like, why did I need that? That That's very adventure game, though, right? Yeah. Like, especially those older style adventure games. It's like these puzzles that there is some sort of logic that was come up with at the time. you know. And somebody making the game thought it made sense. But as the user, you're like okay, why the hell was I supposed to know to look under the floorboards of the dining room to find the skeleton key that would open the the shed out back so I could find Merlin's treasure or something like that? You know, it's just these weird abstract puzzles that don't make sense unless you had the foresight of developing them. Uh, But I guess the one thing I might ask you is, does it feel like... Because a lot of these games feel like they're meant to be replayed a few times, so you take a chance on certain dialogue choices, do your run, see what works and what didn't, and then going through again. Does it feel like that's the setup to for like multiple playthroughs? It does feel like it's set up for multiple playthroughs. The the kind of, the problem I have with that as a and it, I I almost guarantee that's why, and that's kind of what they want you to do. Uh, at the end, they kind of reference the fact that this is only one of many ways the story could have gone but the story was relatively short and it really kind of fell into like three acts that were Hmm. very uneven like the first act is finding out like you're like you're an android and you are doing this thing and then the second act is the whole like i want to say 50 percent of the game which is just person comes in the bar, here's a long string of conversations. Person comes into the bar, whole string of conversations. Whole bit, and it goes through like, I, I want to say like like six people. And these conversations are long and again, ten, eight to ten dialogue choices and just going. And then the last act is your friend hacking the corporation and whatever you have found out from the second act will give you the answers to take down the corporation or not. Hmm. It, it just... 
felt so disjointed and uneven to me that that like oh multiple playthroughs but i got like okay so there's six characters eight choices each and then that fills out into three other choices each and it just it seemed like a lot to ask for a replay for me like it didn't like for me the replayability is there but it's also there what almost feels like too many i, I gotta play this game 17 times to get everything yeah and the other problem is that like a oh, game like have time for that that's time for that <laughs> he has to play Persona 5 at least two more times. Oh, God, hey. no. <laughs> At least one more time. <laughs> so you know, I, I really liked Red Strings Club, and funny enough, I looked up some reviews afterwards just because I was curious, because it's a little bit of an older game. Uh, older game as in this port came like almost direct from PC with, like, the there was a mouse cursor. You have to use the, the sticks on the Switch with the mouse yeah. cursor. And it is a little wonky. It kind of played a little, you know, the the port wasn't amazing. But that's fine. Yeah. But I looked up some older reviews, and uh, it got really good reviews. So I, like, I'm like, maybe this is, maybe it's just this style of game. Like, I really liked Grim Fandango, but I also was not going to play that game without kind of knowing, because adventure games are really, you know... Obtuse. Yeah, very yeah. obtuse. So... Uh, Red Strings Club, I liked the story. I liked the characters. Even making the drinks was kind of fun because you there was like four different types of liquor, and there there's a small there's a cursor, and each bottle will move it either up, left, down, or right. So you had to kind of pour the drinks in to kind of hit the move the cursor to where it needs to be to get like the right mood. You know, the horny lady was like upper left, but the depressed one was bottom right. You know, and you had to move the drinks around by making the using the different alcohol. Hmm. So it did, it did, lady. yeah, but it did give you like, again, these different options. Like if you talk to someone when they're depressed, they're going to have a different answer for one question. But if you make them excited or anxious, if you give them the anxious drink and you ask that same question, the answer is going to be different. So there's a lot of variability there. Okay. That was Red Strings Club. Joel. Yes. You've been playing Invisible Ink. I have. Port number two. Port number two. Yeah, I now, to be fair, to be fair, I did to not own. Yes, uh, I did not own this one before now, <laughs> so so technically I'm off the hook for that. I intro, think you did. Own we it. got you it just... for PS Plus. Yeah, uh, that doesn't count. It does count. <laughs> if I don't remember, it doesn't count. <laughs> There's plenty of stuff that I don't remember, and everybody still holds me to be responsible for it. If oh, I didn't see it, right. it's new to me. Right. Yes, yeah, all right. <laughs> so Invisible Ink is a uh, was a PC release, uh, got poured to Switch this year, mm-hmm. is a XCOM like, I guess if you want to put a tactical strategy game, uh, very much in the vein of at the XCOMs of the world, where you are on a board, you are in charge of a few pieces on the board, and then you have action points to be able to uh, do your movement on the field as well as different abilities, and you have a goal for each mission. The conceit here is that you are part of a super secret spy agency. Uh, world-altering events happen with major corporations, uh, very in vogue right now. And you then go uh, try to more or less go through a series of missions to prepare yourself for like a final battle uh, and gain resources and, and the like. Uh, one of the interesting parts about this, mm-hmm. to me at least, is yep. the, the emphasis on stealth. Mm-hmm. And and so like XCOM, uh, Phantom Doctrine, uh, those couple games that I have played in this vein, uh, you have to engage in, engage in combat, and, and it you know it, it depends on you getting the jump on the enemies usually, and getting sort of the first attack to get the advantage, and also position yourself to get the right percentage chance to hit right. Uh, whereas here. You don't start out with a weapon. You start out, or with a gun. You start out with like a stun uh, gun, I guess. A, a, a you know, something like that. Yeah. Taser. Uh, a taser. Yeah. And really, the the purpose of each mission is the objectives, which are usually like get to a terminal and obtain something, uh, hack something in the level, or uh, rescue somebody, and then find an exit elevator. Uh, the enemies are really just obstacles that you have to find 
efficient ways around. And so part of it will be like you'll walk up to a door that's closed and you can use an action point to peek okay. in the next room and see what's there. Mm-hmm. And that can give you a look and see if an enemy's there. And then you can observe their movement and it'll sort of tell you where the pattern's going, where they're going to be heading to next. And in that kind of situation, what you want to do is peek what they're doing. If you have enough action points and you're not in their line of sight, walk up behind them and then tase them. And then that takes them down for three turns. Uh, and if you're like standing on top of them, it's sort of you squatting on them and it pauses how many turns until they are active again. Uh-huh. Or alternatively, if you're monitoring their movements and feel like you can do so, you can try to sneak around them and, and get through that section without actually alerting them of your presence. And, and so like the levels, you're responsible for two agents at a time. And typically what you'd end up having is either choosing to like divide and conquer the different parts of the level mm-hmm. or try to sort of double up and go the same way. And in certain sections, it benefits you to go double up because you could have a, a sequence where one person will peek and look, you know, then maybe if they're out of action points, you take your other agent out there incapacitate the enemy. Then the next turn you might send out your other agent. That's not on top of the enemy to move on and like, pin them down until you are ready to move on to the next section or something. Uh, there's also stuff like uh, security cameras that sort of do the same thing of alerting uh, people of your presence. And there is a, like a, an alert monitor in the right hand corner where after five or so turns, there's a dial that goes from like one to five, I believe mm. of different alert statuses. And so the longer you're in a mission, the more alert statuses increase and then they send in like new guards. They'll re-engage cameras and sentries that you disabled. And they sort of like turn the crank on the difficulty slowly and, and like it's grinding against you hmm. in a really cool way. Like it, it the game is, I haven't had a good time with this. <laughs> I'm having like a good it. time with this game. And it's not a genre that I've always had a lot of success with outside of like the fire emblems or uh, the advanced wars, because some of these XCOM lights get a little bit too chancy mm-hmm. and complicated with that. And then like in these games, if you fail a mission, you've lost an hour <laughs> and it's just like, you want to throw your controller on the couch and walk away. But here the, the niceties of the uh, rewind feature, which feels like it's in the same vein of Into the Breach, where you can like dial back a turn. I think each each mission you can dial back five total turns. Mm-hmm. So if you feel like you've gone down a rabbit hole of mistakes that sort of pinned you down, if you've got those reserved, you can do rewinds and sort of like replay the field. And the fact that it's on Switch, so it allows me to sort of like pause it where it's at. I know nobody's going to touch it while I'm gone. Uh, go take care of chores or work, come back and pick it back up where I left off. It, it's sort of just hitting all the right notes for me right now. Hmm. All right. Like now, uh, you you said you told me when you were playing it that you were playing it on easy and normal. Yes. So I started with easy mm-hmm. because uh, easy. Well, I, I honestly like. Easy was approachable. Like it, it, it wasn't terribly challenging. And what the nice thing about it was is it allowed me to really spend time for trial and error to learn things in the game without being too punishing. Mm-hmm. And so I got deep into the game on easy, and I got through easy, and then I decided like, well, you know, that was challenging, but it didn't really get challenging toward until towards the end. I wonder what normal's like, and. I gotta say, like, normal is very beatable, too. Like, it, it's it's challenging in that the the consequences for taking too long and making mistakes are, too, are, are more severe, but it's not punishingly so. Mm-hmm. And again, the benefits of the stuff like the Rewind really gives you that still kind of forgiveness where if you've messed up, you can be like, well, crap, I, I, need, I need to go back. It's it's like you're playing a game of Civ and you have gone 10 turns, but then suddenly two nation states are starting to start a war with you and you're like, crap, what's the last save point? Let me go back and 
make that different move, you know. Uh, but I, I found normal plenty reasonable and difficulty. But like to anybody who is like me that struggles struggles with these and wants to start off with something a little more forgiving that gives you the the space to breathe and understand really how these systems work and uh, how best to maneuver around the world. It's like uh, easy. I would encourage anybody to start with easy just to get acquainted with it. Well, you've kind of the. I was waiting for this game on Switch as well, and uh, you telling me that uh, Easy is a good way to kind of start does make it a little less daunting because, yeah, XCOM always kicked my ass like without question. So it's supposed to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're supposed yeah, to feel it, bad about it too. <laughs> <laughs> like when you realize that you're completely botched it and the Earth is gonna is not gonna make it. Like, yeah, you should feel bad. Like mm-hmm. you didn't do good. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I just think I think the percentage chance stuff that is ingrained in XCOM is probably one of my biggest complaints about that. I, I've like, said it before, and it, I'll say it again. It's it's the most hateful mechanic ever. It's like yeah. oh, ninety seven percent chance to hit. Let's see what happens. Whiff. <laughs> right, right, and it's it, it is that. It is that is the like the one step too far for me in this genre. Even Phantom Doctrine, where it was, it wasn't a percentage chance. It was like this is the percentage amount of damage yeah. you're going to make. So like, if you're behind a barrier and you're shooting, maybe you'll only do half damage instead of 100 percent damage. That was more transparent, but it's still. I, I think the removal of combat as a necessary or at least like a desirable outcome really helped this thing be elevated something greater than the the C of these games for me. Now, how's the story? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, 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 honestly to me the story is just like the the threadbare uh you know rationale for the the theme and what's going on. Like there's there's fine dialogue uh interspersed throughout each mission. Uh, but beyond that, it's just flavor text stuff. Like the 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 story written is less important than like the experiences you have playing it. And there, there's little cool snippets. So like one of the neat things is that if you're playing a mission and you're out of rewinds, but you know you're completely stuck because eventually you'll get like caught in a corner where they're holding you up, and then your next move if you move in their line of sight and you're already in their line of sight, it'll pause and shoot you and you'll die instead of, if you know your next move is being boned, you can choose an option to go out like a tough guy and have an action hero, like last line quip oh, really? <laughs> before they shoot you. Yeah. Yeah. So like there, there's a lot of fun kind of like clever things like that too. And, and, and some of the dialogue interspersed in, in the actual level is just like little, little hit, of stuff that adds a little flavor to it but uh narrative wise i wouldn't say there's anything critically important here okay okay uh i plan on giving that a shot probably soon i think now that we're talking about it just because this sounds so interesting yeah yeah i actually uh i took a break during my vacation and now that we're talking about it again i might need to pick it back up so <laughs> okay 